Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. A day's work begins early in the east. As the sun rises over the Sea of Galilee, there is a busy scene down on the beach. A group of four fishermen are washing their nets after a long night's toil, their boats hauled up on the shore. A crowd of listeners are gathered around the Lord Jesus, listening eagerly to the teacher. 
The story which follows has been called the miraculous catch of fish, and Jesus uses this incident to instruct his apostles how to be his faithful workers, his fishers of men. To understand this story, we need to fill in the background from the Gospel of John, who tells us that this was by no means the first time Jesus had met Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They had already heard from the Master and seen some of his miracles. They had been with Jesus at the wedding of Cana in Galilee, where Jesus turned water into wine. They had been with Jesus when he ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well and saw her life transformed by the Master. They had for seven months been disciples in a loose sort of way, which allowed them to go home and look after their fishing business and their other duties. But this day was different. This was the day of their calling to abandon all and wholeheartedly follow after the Master. This was the moment to become fully engaged, totally committed disciples. It was because the four fishermen had already said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel, that they are able to recognize his authority and immediately obey his command to follow him. Jesus had four disciples who were fishermen and out of them he made fishers of men. Notice that they were fishermen first, busy with their daily tasks of secular work, but with an interest in Jesus and his mission. Then they became disciples who went out with Jesus, watched him, and were astonished by him. Finally, they recognized the absolute authority of Jesus Christ and left everything to follow fully after him and become his fishers of men. Do you see the progression? It is a progression all followers of Jesus must experience. First, we are fascinated by Jesus and attracted to him because of his wonderful teachings and the miracles he does. Then we sometimes go out walking with Jesus. We watch him. We try to learn from him. Finally, we become wholehearted disciples when we are fully astounded and amazed by His divine authority over our lives and we respond to His loving commands. Jesus asks us to forsake worldly ambitions and give ourselves completely to fully follow Him. He invites us to become caught up in the mission of spreading His gospel. Where are you in this discipleship progression? Which kind of disciple are you? Once a disciple reaches the point of total commitment, he is able to hear the instructions Jesus gives to all who desire to work for him. Verse 4 of our gospel passage says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. We must serve God with daring expectation. In the early days of my call to be a minister of the gospel, a wise man told me, better to sail the high seas of adventure with Christ than wallow in the safe, shallow waters of mediocrity. Serving Jesus Christ and his kingdom requires daring expectation 
a launching out into the deep. We are not called to serve Jesus out of mere routine and habit. We are not called to serve Jesus out of our own strength, for we have no strength in and of ourselves. We must launch out into the deep and throw ourselves into the work which the Lord has placed before us. Not only do we serve with daring expectation, but we must serve at the word of Jesus. Notice the primacy of the word of God throughout this short passage. In verse 1 we read, Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God. Then in verse 3, Jesus sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. And then Peter's marvelous response in verse 5, Master, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Spurgeon, the great English preacher, made this observation in 1882. Few Christians can honestly repeat the assertion, at thy word. They have other books to which they pay deference and other rules and other guides beyond and above and even in opposition to the one word of God. This was true 126 years ago in Spurgeon's time. It is exponentially true today in 2019. I recently came across an article that states, Christians are still consulting the Bible but often they bring the Bible into conversations with other forms and sources of knowledge. The Bible is no longer seen as containing everything the believer needs to know. In other words, at thy word no longer holds true for many modern Christians. Yet the Bible is God's holy word. It is true, reliable, and without error, not only when it speaks of values, meanings, and religious things, but it is also infallibly true when it speaks of history and science. This principle, at thy word I will obey, has been the governing influence for all godly men and women down through history. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, you will notice that at thy word became the marching orders for all the heroes of faith. These men and women are exemplary in their faith precisely because they obeyed the word of God and did what he said. Noah worked 100 years, an entire lifetime, to build the ark. Abraham left his home and traveled toward the promised land, not knowing where he was going. Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt. Joshua brought down the walls of Jericho, the mightiest city of his day. And we could go on and on, and all of it, because of the authority of God, at thy word. Now often the Christian begins working for the Lord with a pure motive and a fervent desire to please him. But as time goes on, the motive gradually vanishes, and what was begun in the Spirit is now continued in the flesh. What was begun with true devotion and love for Jesus is now done out of habit, out of drudgery because we did it yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Heart, love, and earnestness and devotion for Jesus has gone out of our service, and so the blessing has gone out of it too. But if we will keep our hearts close to the Lord and listen for his voice calling to us, 
he will say, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Then despite our weariness, we will gladly obey him and our work will not be in vain. The third instruction for Christian service given in this passage is serve God despite past failures. It's easy to understand Peter's response to Jesus in Luke 5.5. Jesus says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter responds, Master, we have toiled all the night long and taken nothing. He is saying what any good fisherman would say to a carpenter who comes down from Nazareth to teach him his business. Fishermen know that it's useless to go fishing in the morning hours if you haven't caught anything all night. The nets were only half cleaned, and now Jesus was asking them to dirty them again. They had had a very hard night's toil, and now Jesus asks them to launch out a second time. Many of us would have replied, Lord, I've been working hard all night long. I'm tired. I can't possibly do any more this morning. Here, beloved, we have a juxtaposition between common sense and faith. Common sense can easily go against the supernatural ways of Jesus. Oswald Chambers says, Jesus sums up common sense carefulness in a disciple as infidelity. Never let common sense push the Son of God to one side. Venture out in faith. Trust Jesus where your common sense cannot trust him. In this instance, common sense told Peter, This is ridiculous. I'm not launching out again to put down the nets. Master, we've worked all the night long and caught nothing. But notice how Peter overcomes common sense with supernatural obedience. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. This expression, nevertheless, is a glorious word. I'm tired and hungry and the nets are only half cleaned, but at thy word, I will obey. There's a wonderful lesson here. Peter was disappointed in himself. After a whole night of backbreaking work, the disciples caught nothing. No doubt disgusted with themselves, they returned to the shore and started the equally hard work of washing, folding, and stowing the fishing nets. We need to serve God despite our past failures. Each of us faces disappointments from the past. We have broken down and failed in many ways. Other people upon whom we depended have broken down and failed us. But Jesus is here. He stands beside us, and Jesus calls us to try again. When we look at the past and its mistakes, we must realize that however often we have broken down or failed, Jesus is calling us to new beginnings, new ventures in faith new ways to trust and serve him. Notice that it was Peter's obedience that brought the result. He overcame his self-pity at having failed in the previous endeavor, and his faith was rewarded with a catch so big it broke the nets, and the boats began to sink. Then notice the conditions that need to be present for God to accomplish his work through us. 
First, there must be an astonishment at who Jesus is. Our attitude towards Jesus is everything. Verse 9 says, For Peter was astonished and all that were with him. The disciples were amazed and astonished at the authority of Jesus Christ. Who is this one who has power to command the sea and the storm immediately ceases? Who is this one who can heal diseases and raise people from the dead? Who is this one who can command demons to depart from a man and the man becomes perfectly healed and restored to his right mind? Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Now listen, friends. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus is to be overcome by him seized by his majesty, authority, and the beauty of his person. Salvation in Christ is an encounter with the living God who transforms us from within. Salvation is not a concept or an intellectual decision. We do not merely consider Jesus a good teacher, a wise wonder worker, or a profound prophet. We see him as he really is, the glorious second person of the Holy Trinity, God in human flesh upon the earth. And we are astounded. We are astonished. We are overwhelmed and amazed with wonder at his incarnation. God among us, the Lord himself, glorious, wondrous mystery which leaves us spellbound and speechless in awe. Once we encounter the Lord Jesus and are astonished and amazed by his presence, we immediately experience self-abasement and repentance. A proper surrender of the heart and will to the call of Jesus over our lives will always lead to consciousness of personal sin. Verse 8 says, When Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The more we recognize Jesus, the greater the depth of our repentance. Theologian Sergius Bauer on the subject of repentance says, We must examine ourselves. Only the radical change afforded to us by profound repentance has the potential to remake us in the likeness of Christ. The task of repentance is literally to change one's mind. Our goal is to acquire the mind of Christ. We must divest ourselves of the old way and reinvest ourselves with the new. We find the dynamic of astonishment leading to repentance throughout the Bible. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was confronted by God at the burning bush in the desert. The scripture says, And God called unto Moses out of the midst of the bush, and Moses answered, Here I am. And God said, Do not draw near. Put off your shoes, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Moses was astonished and amazed at the presence of the Holy One of Israel, and he fell on his face in self-abasement and repentance. In 2 Samuel 12, when King David sinned against the Lord, he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. He came to his senses, immediately recognized the call of God over his life, and repented with deep self-abasement. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. King David recognized the holiness and majesty of God and experienced humility and repentance before him. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is commissioned as a prophet to Israel, he has a vision of the holiness of God. The text reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Isaiah was astonished. He was undone by the holiness and glory of God, and he repented. Finally, expect God's results in the work. The command of our Lord Jesus always includes his promise. Work done for him is never resultless. Often we look at the fruit of our labors and we are disappointed. We say, I have spent my energy for nothing. Now it is true that in the proclamation of the gospel, some believe, but many do not believe. This is because Christ's gospel always produces a twofold effect. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says that the gospel is a savor of life unto life to those who believe, but a savor of death unto death to those who do not believe. When Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed, he said that only a fourth part of the seed yielded good results. So our eyes are not to be on the results of our work, but on the beauty and wonder of the Lord of the harvest himself. And he promises that honest, good work done out of love and obedience to Jesus will not be unblessed. 
St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. But as we labor, we must be careful to do the right thing at the right time in the right place. The story is told of a world-class woman runner who was invited to compete in a road race in Connecticut. On the morning of the race, she drove from New York City following the directions, but got lost, stopped at a gas station, and asked for help. The station attendant knew of a race scheduled just up the road and directed her there. When she arrived, she hurried to the registration desk, announced herself, and was surprised by the race official's excitement at having so renowned an athlete show up for their race. No, they had no record of her entry, but if she'd hurry and put on this number, she could make it before the gun goes off. She ran and naturally won easily several minutes ahead of the runner in second place. Only after the race, when there was no envelope containing her sizable prize and performance money, did she confirm that the event she'd run was not the race to which she had been invited. That race was being held several miles further up the road in another town. She'd gone to the wrong starting line, run the wrong race, and missed her chance to win a valuable prize. Dear friends, some of you listening today may be at that first step in discipleship of astonishment and amazement at who Jesus really is. Be sure to follow astonishment and amazement with repentance and faith in Christ. When you commit your life to the Lord Jesus, you are entering the real race of life. Like the woman runner, don't enter the wrong race and miss receiving the most valuable prize of all, eternal salvation in Christ. Believing Christian, I urge you to heed the message of Jesus' instruction to his fishermen. Some of you have labored faithfully for many long years. Receive this encouragement from Thomas Akempis, a godly monk in the medieval period. Do not be worn out by the labors which you have undertaken for my sake, and do not let tribulations cast you down. Instead, let my promise strengthen and comfort you under every circumstance. Labor faithfully in my vineyard. I will be thy recompense. Are not all plentiful labors to be endured for the sake of eternal life? Beloved, Jesus calls each of us as his disciples to serve him in accomplishing his glorious mission. Our Savior's instructions to us are very clear. Serve God with daring abandon. Serve God at the word of Jesus. Serve God despite past failures. Serve God according to His conditions. Will you let Jesus have His way with you today? If all God-fearing, Christ-loving men and women were to hear these words of Jesus and obey them, the entire world would be changed by the power of God. Amen. 
For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.